Welcome to Bitverse Byte, a weekly podcast about the web industry, tools and techniques upcoming and in use today. My name is Adam Listek, a web developer from Northern California and Central Illinois. If you'd like to help support this show, please tap the link in this episode's description if you're using the Anchor application or visit anchor.fm slash bit-v-byte to become a monthly supporter. Also, I want to make note that this is just about my first full year of podcasting. Granted, it's only been about 40 episodes, but I did start at the beginning of October in 2017, and I've learned a lot, but it's been a great experience so far. Starting off with some news, there was an interesting bit of uh, controversy around the Linux kernel with a license revocation threat. So, an interesting situation that's occurring in the Linux kernel world A new code of conduct was implemented in mid-September that was intended to kind of clarify and foster a better working environment. The issue appears to be that it kind of allows removal of individuals via nearly any reason without really a recourse for contesting the removal. Due to this, a number of folks were removed, and in response, they've kind of brought up the point that the GPL version 2 allows them to rescind their license of their code contributions to the kernel. So this would effectively cripple the kernel, as many of those contributions are, well, core code. And then several people who have looked into this found that it is kind of a credible threat and one that needs to be looked at. There are certainly valid grievances on all sides, I'm sure. You know, I'm not really diving into all of that, but it is a very interesting kind of development, and just have to watch it and see where it goes. There's a lot of Cloudflare news this week. Last week, they had a bunch of um, cryptography-related news, uh, but this week is their birthday week, and as is tradition, they're announcing a number of products and updates. So although I am recording this on a Wednesday, since I need to be traveling, and I won't get to talk about the entire week, what they've released so far is pretty interesting. On Monday, they talked about encrypted SNI, which is one of the kind of final components that, in conjunction with DNS over TLS or HTTPS, allows almost an entirely private browsing experience. You know, combining the TLS with encrypted SNI and DNS over TLS means that every part of your connection and querying of data is encrypted. It has a long way to go till adoption, but great that it's further being pushed. So on Tuesday, they talked about supporting the QUIC protocol, and that's a UDP-based protocol that has attributes of TCP. It requires TLS 1.3, which they've been pushing as well. And it's the IETF version, not this Google version that, you know, kind of started first, but it's diverged quite a bit from what the IETF is. But it'll help solve a number of performance issues with HTTP2 and some other enhancements. And it's available as a beta test under the network tab within the Cloudflare dashboard. And then finally on Wednesday, Cloudflare, Cloudflare announced the Bandwidth Alliance Initiative. So by partnering partnering with a number of companies that provide cloud services, they're using their unique position at interconnect and peering points to basically make the bandwidth between those services free. I'm not 100% sure how this will reflect on users of those services, but for example, I host on DigitalOcean, and they're one of the partners. Since I have almost everything in front of Cloudflare as is, that implies to me that basically that bandwidth would become free. And if that's the case, well, that's pretty amazing. I don't truly use enough to hit my limits, but if I ever did, that'd be kind of a game changer. So pretty cool. 
Mac OS 10.14 or 14 Mojave was released. So it's got the much anticipated dark mode for the OS and Finder. Many of the apps have gained some extra nice features such as markup in the quick look views and the Apple Store has been overhauled in its look as well. But finally, the specifications have changed and older MacBooks are no longer supported anymore. So my older 2010 MacBook Pro is finally obsolete, though it you know, really has been for a long time, but it's not going to be supported by the latest version. So I'm a little bummed by that, but certainly something I expected, and I, I was honestly surprised they supported it as long as they did. Uh, but I am going to miss that dark mode that looked pretty cool. Google has made a number of search changes or will be making a number of search changes. Uh, they're having their kind of birthday week or so. Uh, they've turned about 20 years old, uh, which is kind of amazing to think back that 20 years ago, the first Google you know, products came rolling out. I remember when it started uh, coming out and supplanting Yahoo, uh, which at the time was kind of the go-to place um, that and Alta Vista and those kind of things. But They've done an amazing job. Uh, for, so for all the controversy that may surround them, the product itself is pretty cool. Uh, but they are releasing a number of search-related enhancements that will be kind of rolling out over the next couple weeks. Much of it has to do with better organizing your search to be a bit more like a social network and look and feel, kind of using their cards rather than just the traditional list of blue links. This is, in a ways, uh, they're doing these activities and collections, which kind of track and personalize your search history so you can go back to what you've done in the past better and kind of figure out what you're doing to either plan things or group things in a way. You know, though it's also coming to google.com, um, oh, I almost meant to say uh, Discover is the rebranded Google feed and it's part of the Google app on the phone and it is also coming to google.com. I got ahead of myself there. Uh, and on the mobile site, you know, for the mobile aspect of that as well. And that's kind of a huge change because up to this point, they've kept the Google homepage very sparse and they don't put a lot of extra information on there. So for mobile, this does make a lot of sense in my opinion, but on a desktop, it wouldn't, which is probably why we won't be seeing any changes like this there anytime soon. But they're also doing a lot more pictures and visual content overlaid with information with their so-called knowledge graph. And this will be coming to kind of all aspects of search. So they're taking the visual learner approach and, you know, that a lot of people respond with. And instead of just reading, you know, a lot of pictures and images along with the information. So with the redesign, you know, of the Google News app on the phone, uh, if it turns out to be a lot like that, which I kind of hope it does, I really like that. I think they did a really good job of putting all that together, making it engaging. Uh, the information is stuff that I'm interested in. Uh, but if they do that, I think it'll be pretty cool. I don't really get fully how the activities and the um, uh, collections and those kind of things will work. Uh, but if I do like more ways to organize, so. Hopefully it will work well, and it's kind of a cool idea. It's a big change for Google, considering they haven't really done something like this in a very long time, so we'll just see how it all kind of shakes out. And kind of on that note about Google and some other companies, uh, there was a 
um, hearing uh, in Congress, uh, I believe with the Senate, uh, where they had a couple of the companies um, sit down. Actually, it wasn't the Senate. I think it was um, the uh, Justice Department. But they had it sit down with the uh, attorney generals and tried to kind of talk it over about, well, what do we do about privacy and these kind of things? And although I think the intent of the conference was one way, and then ended up being very much about, you know, how do privacy policies affect uh, tech giants and what can be done? And it seemed like most of them are pushing pretty heavily for a federal kind of, you know, privacy policy that's actually put into law, you know, and that they all have to abide by. Because I think that they're realizing that it's not doing them much good to all have their own kind of different privacy policies. And they really need to kind of find this common ground to try to adhere to. And it would not only make their lives a lot easier, even if it might be more onerous on them to actually adhere to it, because at least everyone else has to. And they have something they can work towards instead of coming up with all this stuff on their own. But it looks like at least the interest is there. I'm sure it would take a very long time to actually get to that point, but it is kind of interesting to see where the conversation is going with that. Moving on, some links and resources. Um, I found a, a kind of a cool code snippet manager called uh, Gisto, I guess, uh, G-I-S-T-O, uh, but it integrates with GitHub GIS, which are basically, and it has a web and client version, but the uh, GitHub GIS are those little snippets of code that you can save under your account. But it adds a lot of functionality around those with additional features such as tagging, a better code editor, you know, having different clients that you can organize. So it's pretty cool if you use those to store that kind of data. Uh, there's a good link on about these 10 free font alternatives to Gotham. So Gotham is a really common font, and it works well in a lot of cases. But it is a commercial font, so being a paid one, it's not always available for use in all your projects. Uh, so it's, it's a very solid list of free font alternatives that look and work great instead of Gotham. So kind of something to check out if you need it for your type of project. Uh, using HSL and CSS instead of hex or RGB. So uh, this is the hue, saturation, luminosity instead of the hex or RGB codes that you might have been um, familiar with over all the years of coding, that kind of thing. I've started slowly to use it more, and I am finding it has a heck of a lot more utility than the older way of doing it. And it does have HLSA as well for the opacity, but um, it's especially cool when you use it with CSS variables to kind of create color variations that can be harmonious, you know, and follow the various complementary type of color schemes. So it's actually really cool techniques, um, a pretty uh, good link on how... Uh, someone else is discovering that as well, but check it out. So finally, um, short little thing I want to uh, kind of make mention. As I said, it's about my one-year anniversary of taking the step of creating a podcast and kind of seeing where it takes me. And I have to say, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of work, but well worth it. Just trying something different and making it work was itself a, a huge undertaking for me, but I learned a ton. And I've, I have learned that perhaps it was a bit overly ambitious to do a weekly show to begin with, you know, what with a decently chaotic life, but it can be a challenge, and it really can be a challenge to always get it done. 
And I found that out about twice over the year when I had equipment break and just too much going on um, to get the shows done on time. You know, because at one point, you know, it's been a year, but I've only done 40 episodes. And that was because I had these two breaks. And, you know, which that being said, I'm not going to complain with that. But I had hope for that 52. Um, But all of it being said, I think that's been an amazing experience. One where I've kind of learned a ton about even producing, prepping, learning, researching, and um, actually making the show. Uh, And I've met a couple folks, and I have a bunch of really exciting opportunities ahead of me. So I really do like doing more of these media-type projects, and I look forward to doing the video version of this. I've just started dabbling in that and kind of getting all that stuff together. Um, I'm not shooting for a million visitors, just those that hopefully derive some value of what I talk about and report on. I still really do like this idea for this type of show of that kind of 10 to 15 minute length episode. It's long enough to talk about a few topics of interest, but short enough to listen on your way to work or if you have a small break. But I can't wait to do some interviews and talk with others about the industry as well as perspectives and lessons learned. It'd just be great to know. I think the biggest takeaway that I've had over this time of is just to go for it. I tend to overthink everything, but in the end, just turning on the mic, talking about something kind of gave me the boost needed to start trying new projects and ideas. Sometimes it's just that first step that's all that's needed. So my advice would be just try something. You never know how good it could turn out, and even if not, well, you've learned something for the next time. So follow this podcast on Twitter at bitvbyte and Facebook at slash bitvbyte. Thank you for listening. And please join us next week.